0: And he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying. And they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Kephas, which is translated Peter. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Let us pray. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth make sense because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, the opening of John's Gospel is like a drum roll, revealing Jesus. And in today's passage, we get the final part of the drum roll and the dramatic... Ba-ba-ba-da-da. John's Gospel starts with that beautiful poetry about the Word and then introduces us to John the Baptist to build up the tension and the expectation of who Jesus is. And now for the big reveal. Here is Jesus and he's going to speak his first words John the Baptist has made some really big claims to his disciples and he points them in Jesus' direction and they start to follow him immediately. Jesus turns and notices them following. Can you feel the drama and the tension starting to build? And then he speaks his first words, not just to them, but in the entirety of John's gospel. Now, I think we should use eugene peterson's the message translation to get the full impact the power and the profoundness of jesus words are you ready you sure what are you after it's a bit of a letdown right after the big build-up if jesus was in australia you would probably say what are you after Last week, I introduced our focus for the year as being on a heightened sense of awareness, a desire to seek after a fresh perspective, and a commitment to pay a little bit more attention. But this week, I can't help but pay attention to how little Jesus actually says in the opening of John's Gospel, and how seemingly inconsequential these words First appear. But rather than being disappointed and dismissive, let's approach these words with a heightened sense of awareness, a desire to seek after a fresh perspective, and a commitment to pay a little bit more attention. And let's just see where that might lead us. Let's start by isolating these three sections of. Jesus' first words. Firstly, he says, what are you looking for? Then he says, come and see. And then he says, you are Simon, son of John, you are to be called Kephas. What we have is a question, an invitation and a name change. So let's pay attention to the question first. I wonder if you've ever paid attention to how many questions there are in the Gospels. Particularly, how many questions does Jesus ask? If you haven't paid attention, it's okay. Biblical scholars have gone ahead of us. And there is 339 questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels. Give or take a few depending on your interpretation. In Matthew, you find 109 questions asked by Jesus. In Mark, you find 68 questions asked by Jesus. In Luke, there's 107 questions asked by Jesus. And in John's Gospel, which we're looking at this morning, we find 55 questions. That's a lot of questions. There is a strong case to say that the main thing that Jesus does is ask questions. Yet, the way that we often approach The Gospels and Scripture in general is very different. We go looking for answers. But if we pay attention, we find that Scripture is not a concise answer book, it's not a roadmap or an instruction manual. It asks questions of us if we let it. And to be honest, It's a lot harder to let Scripture ask questions of me than to let it answer questions for me. Because I don't have to pay attention to what's deep within me if I'm just looking for answers. Answers that I probably already think that I know the answer for or that I'm hoping for. But to go deep within us can be hard, it can be confronting. It takes us to places that we don't want to go, places that we can shut ourselves and others out from. While it would be correct to say that in Scripture we find the truth about God, it would be equally correct, probably more so if you think about it, that in Scripture we find the truth about ourselves. And in the truth about ourselves, we find both a desire and a need for God. When you think about Jesus' first words ever in John's Gospel, they can seem simplistic and superficial. But if you pay attention to them, they can also be the biggest existential and theological question that you could ever ask. What are you looking for this morning by coming to church? What are you looking for this morning by joining online or watching later in the week or listening to a podcast? What are you looking for in your relationships with family, with friends, with work colleagues? What are you looking for in your relationship with God? There's actually no limit to this question. In this particular instance that we hear of, the two disciples don't seem to respond to Jesus' questions. But if we pay attention, we get a strong clue to what they're actually looking for. They say, Rabbi. And John helps us out by letting us know that rabbi means teacher. At least part of what they're looking for was to learn. Their relationship with John the Baptist had left them with a hunger and a yearning to learn more of God. And in Jesus, they immediately recognize that they have found the Messiah. So let's pay attention now to the invitation. I actually preached on this passage a week, ago, a week and a half ago at our Wednesday morning service. Normally, the little book, the lectionary gives us at least three years before we have to preach on the same passage again but a week and a half was a bit of a struggle to think of something different. But in my message a week and a half ago, I pointed out the absolute absurdity of the interaction between Jesus and these two disciples of John the Baptist. Just imagine for a moment, would you? You're over at the town centre after church, and somebody that you don't know walks up to you and says, where are you staying? the last thing that you're going to reply is come and see. I think you might think of other words to share. But this is actually a reoccurring invitation, come and see throughout John's Gospel. And if you pay attention, it takes us on a very interesting journey. Jesus gives the invitation to the disciples. Then just a few verses later, Philip gives the invitation to Nathanael. Come and see. The invitation passes from Jesus to the new disciples. A little bit later in John's Gospel, the Samaritan woman at the well tells the people in her city after her encounter with Jesus, come and see. And finally, Mary, Mary, the sister of Martha, says these words back to Jesus after the death of her brother Lazarus. Lord, come and see. I said towards the end of my sermon last week that what we pay attention to, we share. Come and see is an invitation that lays the foundation of our call to discipleship. Our call to discipleship is not complete until our witness brings Jesus to the attention of others. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This doesn't just mean bringing others to faith or to salvation in Jesus. In fact, I'd like to say while bringing others to faith or salvation in Christ is significant and it is important, it's probably the thing that we have to intentionally worry about the least. Bringing Jesus to the attention of others isn't only about walking up to people and saying, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? If you don't, I'll pray for you right now. I'm not sure that that strike rate actually works too effectively very often. So what I'd like to suggest that it's more about, in saying that I don't want to discount those opportunities when you actually have to be upfront with what you actually believe and sometimes people are ready to hear those words but more often and more regularly what we have to do in sharing that invitation to others is just to give them an insight into how we're answering the questions that Jesus and scripture is asking of us. If we're truly allowing ourselves to be asked these big questions, then the evidence of our wrestling and the evidence of our answering should be showing forth in our lives. I'm actually pretty sure that Philip and the woman um, at the well didn't actually need to utter the words, come and see, because just by looking at their faces, their demeanor, their expression, their reaction... Nathaniel and the people in the city would have known for sure that something significant had happened to them. Answering the questions that Jesus and Scripture are asking of us is significant because it will always lead to a godly encounter. And godly encounters transform, inspire, and they move us. And when we're transformed, when we're inspired, and when we're moved, guess what happens? People will notice. The invitation to Jesus from Mary, though, it seems a little bit different. But it's just as important to pay attention to. Mary's inviting Jesus into the darkness and the sorrow Of the death of her brother Lazarus part of answering the questions that Jesus and Scripture is asking of us is going deep within us and often what is deep within us is painful and it's dark and it's hard to explain but the good news is that Jesus doesn't need us to explain it we just need to invite Jesus to come into our lives Jesus already knows who we are. But it's in that invitation process inviting, we're invited by Jesus, but for us to invite Jesus in releases something in us. And we can readily see what we've been through and who we are and who we're becoming. We make a mistake if we think the invitation is only to show the good bits or the successful bits about our lives and ourselves and our personalities. The most compelling parts of ourselves often are our frailty, our weakness, and our brokenness. And it's actually from these places that the Holy Spirit will build our witness and our ministry. We're going to sing a new song during communion this morning. It's called Foundations. Um, If you're wondering where our new songs are coming from lately, um, we've developed a little bit of a a pattern that on Mondays at our young adults um, uh, group, they get to rate the new songs that I've come across And this particular one, they really liked, and I really love the words of the chorus. The words of the chorus say, when I feel like ruins, you see foundations. We don't have to show ourselves to the world as having it all together. Because I really don't know anybody like that. Except Jesus, our Saviour. And when we allow Jesus to build foundations around our frailty, our weakness, and our brokenness, that's when we see possibilities. And that leads us to the final part of Jesus' amazing monologue of lots of inspirational words, all a few that really can make an impact the name change. And this might not seem very deep or profound, not as much as the question or the invitation, but each one of these elements hasn't seemed deep or profound until we've paid attention to it. Jesus asks a question of us, then he offers an invitation to us, and then he turns back towards us in a sense of revelation or epiphany and we're in the season of epiphany now. Well, I don't think it's helpful to approach the scripture all the time looking for particular answers. Looking for a road map or an instruction manual. If we do allow scripture to ask questions of us. If we do accept the invitation to share what we've paid attention to, and if we invite Jesus into what is deep within us, then my experience is that I will get answers. Maybe not the answers I thought I was looking for. But what i found most clearly is that I will experience a revelation of identity in Jesus. Jesus sees in us an identity that we did not see in ourselves. And as we follow Peter or Simon or Kephas, the man with three names, throughout Scripture, there seems to be very little... That is solid about him. Kephas is translated as rock. Peter is also Petros, the Greek for rock. And in my imagination, I imagine as Jesus says the words Kephas to Simon, his brother Andrew blurting out laughing. Have you met this guy like he is the least reliable, least solid, and the most impetuous person that I know? That's why I brought him to you, because he needs you. Yet Jesus sees identity in him that takes at least three years to be revealed to the other disciples. Jesus sees Kephas, a rock on which he can build his church. Not because in three years Peter's going to have it all together, but in three years Peter is going to allow Jesus to ask some big questions of him. And Peter is going to fail. But Peter is going to invite Jesus to what is deep within him. And Peter is going to develop an authenticity and a vulnerability that we find out in the Acts of the Apostles is contagious. That authenticity and that vulnerability, that's the rock on which Jesus can build his church. I like to think that I have great self-awareness. But that's not quite true. As I look back at my life, as I see how my relationship with Jesus has been shaped by the questions that I've allowed Jesus to ask of me, how I've gained confidence and I've seen a passion for things that I've discovered, And how I've shared those things with others. And those times, even though they might be few and far between, where I've allowed Jesus into those really deep parts of who I am, I recognize both a transformation and an identity that I could never have imagined years ago. But more importantly, as I look at myself right now, I see more questions that need to be asked. More that I could become passionate about and share. More, certainly more, that needs to be explored deep within. And so I pray with confidence that God is not done revealing my identity in Jesus. I wonder what has been your experience of being questioned, invited, and renamed. How has it transformed and shaped who you are now? Perhaps you've never thought about it like that, And today might be an opportunity for a fresh perspective but i pray that you also might be able to pray with confidence that god is not done revealing your identity in jesus and pray as a church we can become excited at the collection of identities and passions that come from the questions that we're allowing ourselves to be asked as individuals and as a church. Amen.